at gmail.com. Uh, Sportscope has about 5,000 followers and growing. If you want to advertise on the program, you can email me. The word is sportsscope, spelled the same way again, at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the program. Okay, everybody, I am live here on all links. Looks like I'm a little bit behind today, but that's okay. We're going to be doing the program and getting right through it. Going to talk about the Deion Sanders saga. Is he going to lead Jackson State? Is he not going to lead Jackson State? Georgia Tech has fired their athletic director uh, and their head coach. Now, mind you, Georgia Tech is... Uh, out of Atlanta, remember Dion played for the Falcons and the Braves. That would be a, a decent fit there. We'll get into that. Uh, Tennessee uh, beating Florida, even though they were favored, I kind of felt like that was still an upset. I was really, I'm real surprised that they have the number one offense in the country. Uh, we'll get into the Brett Favre story. I'll give you my official opinion on that. I, I kind of told you about how the, the the media has cut him some slack, but I really need to give you my opinion on on uh, entitled athletes and everything. But um, we'll get into that in a little bit. Mac Jones going to be out for a while, high ankle sprain. But first, but uh, first, let's talk about last night's game. Uh, let me just say this about Dallas. Zeke Elliott, Pickles, I see you popped up there. He had... Prob in the in, in the second quarter, pretty close to halftime, I want to say it was like a 37-yard run. That was the best run I've seen out of Zeke Elliott since his rookie year. I mean, really, that that was this thing is looking jacked up. That was the best run uh, out of his out of his uh, career. Uh, rather than his rookie year. His rookie year, he took the lead by storm. You know, they, the team ended up winning. Uh, I want to say him, him and Dak came into the same year. Dak was like 23, 24. He was 21. And um, remember, they won 13 games that year. But that run was his best since his rookie year. You know, and that was against the Giants. And when this guy, Cooper Rush, is, is trying to throw the ball, it looks like players are just wide open. I don't know if he's just a tick. He, he, You know, I couldn't find a metric. There's probably not a metric on speed of play. How, how, how fast does a team go through a play and process a play? There may be a stat on that. I know there's a stat on how many plays per game. I get that. But the transgression – between a play action, which is a play, uh, which is a fake handoff, and then a throw to the to the wide receiver, uh, they run a very quick, uh, uh, efficient offense, and it looks quicker with this guy Cooper Rush than it does with uh, with Dak Prescott. It is what it is. You know, this guy's only one year. Prescott's twenty nine. This Cooper Rush is twenty eight years old. He's been uh, kind of bounced around a little bit. He's been with this team a few years, I want to say since 2020. And, you know, he's 3-0 as a starter. Here, here's a stat that will blow your mind. The last three games that Cooper Rush has played in, uh, the team has had six more rushing attempts versus the last three games that Dak Prescott played in. And I even compared it to teams, to be fair, on the average, I even looked at uh, how they played against a team like a Raiders on Thanksgiving last year. Because that was a playoff team, okay? Cooper uh, Rush has beat a 2-0 Giants team. He beat a team that was in the Super Bowl last year and now a team from last year that was a borderline playoff team that is two and one this year, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. He's three and zero there, and they and all three games, it's twenty five point six rushes a game, uh, up six. You think about that for a second. I don't, probably don't sound like a lot. Yeah, it does. That is roughly two possessions. That is two full possessions of running the ball, and why? Because they feel like they have to run the ball. That's what this team is. That's what they've been 
built to do, uh, since constructed, uh, since it put in, uh, drafting guys like Zach Martin there early in the draft. Uh, that's And I think Zeke Elliott is getting in a rhythm because he's getting the ball more. And of course, Pollard's getting the ball. Pollard had 55 yards receiving the other day. So he, they get more rushing yard attempts. They get more passes to the running back. And essentially, they're getting more physical and they're starting to impose their will on teams. Now we're finding out that they're one of the best defenses in the league. All this is because of Cooper Rush. Now, part of it, not all of it, is Dak Prescott's fault. A lot of it is, is uh, oh, God, what's the guy? The, the offensive coordinator, Moore. It's, it's, it's Keelan Moore's fault because he knows he has to find other ways to run the ball under Rush versus a Dak Prescott. Either way, this guy, that throw he made to C.D. Lamb, I don't know if Dak could have made that in the end zone. You know, and Jack Hirsch came on this program, former boxing or uh, current boxing Hall of Fame writer, but he's also a sports enthusiast. He follows uh, every single sport. You know, this guy, right? I think he writes from home. I think he covers some matches and and he has a lot of time. I want to say maybe Jack may be semi-retired. Now, hopefully I can bring him in Thursday. I will have um, I will have Keith Engel in back on uh, tomorrow at 7.30 Central Time, right in the middle of my program. But either way, he lost. Uh, Dak got his job because Romo was hurt during, uh, during training camp. Romo got hurt. Dak got the job and never let it go. Romo retired, went to CBS. So this idea that you can't lose your job for being injured is a myth. That's how Dak got his job. Now, this guy's got over a $100 million contract. He's got three years left on his contract. If, if for whatever reason, now I think they'll beat Washington come Sunday, but that'll be a tough game. Washington's one and two. They look like crap yesterday. Uh, there's a good chance that they could beat, that, that they could lose to Washington. But if he continues to win, which I expect him to, uh, I think they'll beat Washington. But then they got Philadelphia and the Rams come up. If he, if he beats those teams, Philadelphia is in my power five this week. I think I want to say they're up to number three from number four. And they beat the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, who are now two and one, by the way. They beat they beat Arizona last week. Yeah, you got to keep him in there. You got to keep this guy in there. And you say, what do you do with that? Well, you just figure that out at the end of the season. Now, I thought about that, too. This is just for the sake of stewing things over. I like to play. Part of sports talk is playing armchair uh, general manager, armchair quarterback, armchair general manager, right, Pickles? Uh, Dak essentially has two more years left on his contract. The third year is voidable, which means it's not guaranteed. Dallas could trade him to a – by the way, Seattle – Seattle has multiple picks for multiple years, okay? They got a, an extra pick next year coming up in 23. They've got an extra pick in 24. This is all from the Russell Wilson trade, right? You could trade him to a Seattle uh, for a third round. Just take the guy's salary, second or third round pick. Seattle still got multiple first round picks. They'll still have their second round pick. And they're going to have, about $47 million extra in cap space, their cap starts to blow up because they're getting all that dead money off. And you've got a uh, 29-year-old Dak Prescott who's essentially five years younger than Russell Wilson. You could I'm just using Seattle as an example, per se. You could trade him and use this guy and not have to pay that salary if Cooper Rush continues to win out. Now, this is a big hypothetical. I know that. He could get walloped Sunday against Washington, uh, and, and Dallas probably will, will end up bringing Russell, uh, Dak Prescott back anyways. But Jerry Jones says, I like a good quarterback controversy because you have a valuable asset, and I like what he said there. But the, the truth is they're running the ball better 
And this is a running team. That was their big problem and their losses. They're having 14, 15 uh, rushing. In other words, they're giving up on the run once they get down. They're giving up on other way. And the one thing I had to credit a team like Tennessee. Tennessee could not run the ball last year, for example, against uh, they had a, a left tackle and a guard out last year, the Titans, against um, the 49ers on a Thursday night. And so they started running the ball out of different formations and setting up play action to A.J. Brown. And guess what? They won the game. They won the game and they beat the 49ers. So that's what Dallas has to do. Dallas has to look and say, this guy is doing great. Plus, not to mention the fact that Michael Parsons is playing like he want, He said he was going to play this year. He's playing like a guy that could win defensive player of the year. You know, if I can find his stats here. Oh, yeah. Uh, most pressures this season, he's got three more than the other guy, which is Miles Garrett. He's got 18 pressures this season. Uh, Dak Prescott is 12 and 21 against playoff teams, guys. What's the big holdup? What's the big thing? He's 12 and 21. Uh, the whole idea is to win games. And I like what, what Jerry Jones said. Hey, he's, hey, I'm 80 years old, man. We're here to win at all costs. Time's running out. And, you know, Seattle. Teams like Seattle, Atlanta, the Giants, the 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 Bears, all those teams. Houston, of course, I think I think Houston's got their quarterback. Uh, Chicago's got their quarterback. The Giants are in your division, and Atlanta, you know, they're going to have a boatload of cap, forty-seven million. Seattle, forty-six bit. That's a lot of money. Now Chicago, they're going to have a hundred million next year. Uh, them in New England, fifty-four. Uh, Chicago is going to have $105 million in cap space. They're going to do everything. If I was Chicago, I would just get offensive lineman after offensive lineman for Justin Fields last year, but next year. But that, but, that, but that's me. I digress. I don't. You look at that and you just wonder why they don't simply send Ra Roquan Smith. But anyways, Ron Poles is a smart guy. My thing is, the bottom lines win the game. Who cares about who cares about that? Who's paying? Who what? You never say that about a running back. You know, you never say that about any other position. And again, again, they didn't do that with Tony Romo, and they got the plenty of playoffs with him. And he's one and three in the playoffs, and he's 12 and 21 against playoff teams. This guy beats the Rams and that Eagle team that's red hot. You got to stay with him. Yeah, he's always um, – Jerry Jones is always doing this radio hit, Pickles, about every every week, every Monday or Tuesday. And he's saying, hey, look, man, I'm okay with the quarterback controversy. You know, I'm okay with that. And I don't believe – yeah, yeah you want to run for – well, this team is built to run. This team is simply built to run, you know. So, uh, so that's the plan. If things got out of hand and you'd like Cooper Rush over, now we're only two games in, but they're two and one. You know, I like their defense as a whole better than Philadelphia's because they got a mean pass rush up there in Dallas. And this guy is its just, he, he seems like he's elite. These two quarterbacks are a little bit more accurate than a um, – they're a little bit more accurate than a uh, – but he's coming up. He's doing better than a Jalen Hurts, okay? Uh, other news, Mac Jones has a high ankle sprain. Uh, could be four to six. Now, he's really young, Mac Jones, uh, for the switching gears to the, the Patriots here. Uh, he might be back in three or four weeks. But now they've got – They've got this Brian Hoyer there, and and also that that's not really their biggest flaws. Uh, there's a real thing with, with with these new coaches here. You know, I want to show you his decline here. 
and, and it doesn't look good. Uh, he's he's, he's uh, QBR is he's 25th in the league in QBR. He's got five interceptions. He's tied for 30th. He's got two touchdowns. He's tied for 22nd in the league. This whole Matt Patricia, Joe Judge experiment has is really turned into a disaster. In the spots that I've seen Mac Jones play, I thought he did well. The little bit that I've seen off of a um, off of a uh, red zone, but obviously, you know, they got beat by Baltimore, and now he has a high ankle sprain. Now, I'm not ready to rule out. I'm not ready to rule out the the Patriots. You know, over the next few games, I think they're going to lose Sunday at Green Bay. But they've got Detroit at home, and then they're playing at Cleveland. Uh, that's a that's a 50-50 game. Remember, they they beat the beat Cleveland pretty good in Cle uh, at home, but that was with the banged up May Baker Mayfield. That's a coin toss game at Cleveland. Then they got Chicago at home. Uh, that's a winnable game. Then they play at the Jets on uh, the uh, Halloween, practically Sunday, October thirtieth. So that that is your next two five games there. Uh, if they can go five hundred there, they'll still have a chance at a wild card. You know, but the truth of the matter is, they are on the out outside looking in. If you if you just look at the fact that. Uh, Brian Hoyer is awful. I mean, I do not know why they wanted to keep this guy as a backup. I thought they should have put more into that position than a Brian Hoyer. But at some point, Belichick is going to have to make adjustment with these offensive coordinators. Uh, he's such a proud guy. I doubt if he would bring somebody in to help him midseason. Uh, maybe even bring in Charlie Weiss as a um, consultant, you know, uh, something of that nature. But he definitely, definitely has to do something after this season. Now, again, their cap, like those other teams I just mentioned a minute ago, it goes way up, guys. Let me make sure I've got my – looks like I'm getting a little slow there. Make sure my plug's in there right. But – their cap goes way up, so they're going to be able to add some players uh, around him, uh, some better defensive players, pass rushers, corners next year. But my thing is, is he too proud to to make that change? I think he will. You know, I think he 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 definitely will. Um, if Pickle says Hoyer is is cost effective, not paying anybody well, that's true. But uh, he he has got to bring in a an assistant there uh, to help him out with that offense, and he's just too proud to do that at this time, you know. But yeah, their offense is, is totally in the toilet. It's not a lock that they they're going to beat a Jet team. You know, again, they play at Green Bay, Detroit at home, at Cleveland. Uh, only great quarterback they're really playing here is is, is is Rodgers, if you think about it. And then after that, after they play the Jets, they play the Colts. And then they're bye weeks in week 10. I'm looking for something to happen to Miami where they, they just totally fall off a cliff. I'm looking for uh, the Miami place Thursday, you know, and Tua, they think he's going to play, but they're not sure. They think he's going to play, and, and, you know, they play at Cincinnati. I don't think they're going to beat Cincinnati up there with a potential Teddy Bridgewater uh, coming in at quarterback. Tua with the next. So their offensive line as a whole isn't that great, Miami. So, yeah, there, there's some chances there. There's some chances there. We look at the Raiders' bad start there. You know, I don't think that the second-place team, in in the South is going to make it, okay? And that's not a lock. The AFC West won't beat up on each other. Uh, look look at look at Justin Herbert's situation. So the the fact that they're mathematically still could be in it for a wild card, yeah. That it, it, Bill Belichick sees the same thing, you know. 
Now, of course, Cleveland's playing much better than I thought. Baltimore's playing better than I thought. Somebody's got to win that division. They have the tiebreaker over Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, uh, they lost They lost it to Baltimore. Uh, it's on the outside looking in, but it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Uh, but he's he's got to do something about those coordinators. That 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 is evident because there were reports that they were having problems in training camp under Patricia and Judge is my point, and and that's proven to be true right now. Okay, uh, let's see. All right, so let's go to the Power Five. So I went through pretty much every big game here, and I'll start off with number five. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, I said that they would beat – I I, I called him the win-ever game this year. And I I like this Josh Allen, this pass rusher guy. I like Walker, the other pass rusher. Uh, I like the fact that they last year towards the end, uh, they held Buffalo. Think about how potent that Buffalo offense is. They held them to six points. They held the Buffalo Bills to six points uh, last year. So they, they go across the country, and not only did they beat, and I talked about this yesterday, did they beat uh, the L.A. Chargers. Uh, they beat them 38-10. to 10. And uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Doug Peterson's here, and he likes to drop that ball down to the running back. He did that at Philadelphia. Love to drop the ball down. So ETN and, and James Robertson has not missed a beat coming back from his injury. I mean, he looks great, don't he? And uh, Trevor Lawrence has been sacked twice this year, twice. He's third least sacked quarterback in the league. I mean, the dude is looking, make a decision, get rid of the football. You know, look, make a decision get rid of the football and playing well. Yeah. Peterson really helped there. And you, you, you look at, they are second in point differential. That means how, what's the margin that they're beating their opponents. But remember they shut out, they shut out the Colts uh, two weeks ago. Last week they beat, um, the Chargers, which I, I went on about Staley not pulling a, a a 20%, and I'm not exaggerating, a 20% Justin Herbert last week, and they beat them 38-10. to 10. So their point differential is second only to Buffalo. They they It's like 46 points, their point differential. Uh, so you're not getting a hand on... You're not getting a, a glove on Lawrence, and they're fifth. They're they're fifth in points allowed, uh, and I want to say they're fifth in sacks. So they're protecting Lawrence. He's getting the ball out of his hands, and they're getting pressure on the opposition. So yeah, Jacksonville's fifth man. Yeah, check this out. So the Jags. And I'll talk about that just in a second because they play a team in my top five, Brian. Stand by. So I got them fifth in my power five. Uh, now, I've got Miami fourth. Hey, you beat Buffalo, you beat Buffalo. You beat a good Baltimore team, you beat a Baltimore team. Um, Sean Payton, uh, he's been coming on the Colin Cowherd show a lot. The other day, he says that, 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 that uh, right now that Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are the Clayton and Duper of the 80s with this Miami Dolphins team. He says they're the Clayton and Duper. These guys, uh, check this out, Brian. Now, this would be very risky for fantasy, but Waddle and and, and, and uh, Tyreek Hill are second and third in wide receiver passing yards. Waddle is second. Waddle has more receiving yards uh, than, than Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is third in the league. And, of course, Miami, 
pretty good pass rush as well. Decent on the back end. And they they broke a seven-game losing streak to the Buffalo Bills. They had that tremendous comeback. They beat Belichick. Uh, only part is, the only thing is, two is banged up. So I got them at fourth. Now, this is for right now. This is for right now, but they are so good, you know, and they're undefeated. I don't think that's going to last. But at number three, I've got Philadelphia. Now, if if I wasn't, if I'm still not, just a little bit of, because it's not, I know what Jim Jeffcoat said yesterday, and I know what I said yesterday about the leadership skills of Jalen Hurts. Man, Hurts, his his stat, his stats have gone way up. It helps when you've got pro football focuses number one ranked offensive line in the league. But I've got to give I got to give this guy credit because I'm not a narrative guy. I'm not a narrative guy. I did read some stat. Uh, uh, two uh, Jalen Hurts is the only player in NFL history with 300 passing yards per game and 50. Rushing yards per game through three games, so that that that's it. That's a well of a stat there, and not to mention they're first in total offense and yards. They're fifth in total defense. They're undefeated, and they're second in sacks. They're second in sacks. They had Brian. They had nine sacks on Carson Wentz Sunday. Uh, Eagle uh, 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 Pickles. They had nine sacks. So this Jaguars team plays at Philadelphia, Brian, on Sunday, and they are six and a half point favorites against this Jaguar team. Now they should be favored. They're playing out of this world. They beat Washington twenty-four to eight at home, and it wasn't even that close. It wasn't even that close. I mean, nine sacks on Carson Wentz, that, that's really good. So Jacksonville, I think, will beat Philadelphia. I just like – I think Doug Peterson is going to go up there and beat his own team. I think I think he's he's going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars from, from, the, from L.A., fly them to Jacksonville, fly them to the, uh, Philadelphia, and they're going to beat Philadelphia come Sunday. And you say, why? I just like Lawrence a little bit better than Hurts. Not much better. Hurts has got an extra year on him. Now, Hurts, remember, Hurts is in his year three, and this is Lawrence's year two. But I like that running game. They've got uh, Ingram. Remember Ingram? Uh, the, The tight end from the Giants. He knows that Philadelphia defense pretty well. He knows that personnel pretty well. He's having a decent year with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? And again, Christian Kirk, catching everything that's thrown to him. He's catching everything that's thrown to him. And again, they got nine sacks. Think about this. Trevor Lawrence went against Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack last week. He got, he got two sacks. Now, Bosa got a growing injury. I get that. But he went against Khalil Mack last week, and they went against uh, that 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 pass rush of Jacksonville or of the Colts the week before that, and then of course they went against Montez Sweat and that group with Washington in Week One, two sacks, two sacks on Trevor Lawrence. The thing about Philly and Miami, they're impressive on the big plays, but some of their players are going to get shut. Yeah, that's true. That's why I'm not really, like, super high on Miami. Miami doesn't have a consistent running game. Uh, Hurt still struggles to make that second read. Uh, he's gotten better at it. He's gotten better at it. And Tua's already hurt, man. Tua's got a, a neck and a back injury. And he's got to go play at Cincinnati this week, Thursday, uh, in, in two days. So that's – now, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, this guy is rock solid, man. He, he's not going to lose it for you, but he's not going to make that big play for you every time either. And they still have problems with their 
uh, in the middle of their line, their their guard their guard play is not really good. It's not that good uh, as far as pass blocking. Now Armstead did a good job Sunday against Von Miller. I saw him tearing Armstead. That was our free agent pickup from from the uh, Saints. But I think the and I and and I booked that number. I put five bucks on uh, Jacksonville to cover that six and a half at Philadelphia. The place will be rocking, you know. I think Jacksonville is going to pull that upset off, and then they're really going to be talked about come next week. Now Philly, yeah, they could they could win. Obviously, Philly's got a good pass rush. They they've got everything they need. Better offensive line, slightly. Uh, better receiving core, yes. Devontae Smith had over 180 yards the other day. And A.J. Brown's playing his part. And, of course, I like Dallas Goddard. The general manager is hitting it out of the park. Jordan Davis is having a good year at defensive tackle. But I just like how well that Lawrence is playing right now. I like Lawrence a little bit better. Yeah, Tampa Bay. And now I didn't put Tampa in there because of their offensive issues, but Tampa is going to be there towards the end. This is just a week the week power ranking here. So number five, Jacksonville. Number four, Miami. Number three, Philadelphia. Number two, still Kansas City, guys. Uh, you know, they're fifth and uh, uh, they're in the top 10 in sacks. And. Plus, they're seventh in total yards in offense. And that'll only get better. Now, Mahomes has got, he's not, he's got two new receivers here. He's got Juju Smith, three. He's got three new bodies at receiver. Remember, they lost Brian Pringle last year. They lost Hill last year. And they lost somebody else. I think they lost Robertson last year. So these are two, three, and four guys, one, three, and four. But they have Juju Smith Schuster. And they have uh, Marquez Valdez Scandal. So he's still getting a feel for these guys. A little bit of a fluke loss there. They got overconfident. Eric Bienemy had some words with um, he had some words with, 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 with Patrick Mahomes. They'll, they'll get on the right page. They have a tendency to lay eggs sometimes on the road. But I like their running game, Clyde Edwards-Lair. I like the fact that they're doing that. Their defense is much better. I couldn't believe they're in the top 10 in sacks, you know. Um, they'll get it together. So so they're still number two. And, of course, number one, even with all those injuries, they're going to get a lot of these players back on the offensive line, guys getting suspended uh, and whatnot. And one player was out for one game uh, for the for the Bills. Bills are still number one to me. Uh, this – this Gregory Rossanu, uh, Greg Rossanu, second-year player in Miami. I was reading some stats on him. He's already uh, playing really well at a high level. He's playing behind Von Miller, okay, not to mention the rest of that defensive line. Uh, they're six, seven deep at that at the, at the uh, defensive line there. So as long as you can protect and continue to develop your running game, and, and they have, and, and Ken Dorsey said something about that today. The offensive coordinator went crazy in the in the, uh, in the the offensive coordinator booth up there, a little press box thing. I think they're going to get back together. Uh, they look like a team, even with all those injuries. They had 10 injuries, uh, 10 uh, players out at one time, starters in the Miami game, and they still almost won. They still almost won, and they look nonchalant back there. You know, and they have lost, um, I want to say they've lost seven one-score games since last year. That is not good. That is, again, not to sound like a broken record, but that is because they're not getting that consistent running game from their running backs, and that's what they're run, they're working on. I'm watching them every week uh, try more and more to shorten their game to get Devin Singletary the ball in the flat and run it, and, and, and I can still see them continue to work on that and as the season goes along, they're going to get better and better at that. Plus, we have to November 1st for the trade deadline. If Tennessee falls off, they may go after a uh, Kevin Byard at safety since both of their safeties out. They may trade for um, another cornerback or so. They may pick up a uh, Jarnish Jack Rabbit Jenkins. 
uh, former player, used to play corner for Tennessee. Uh, he says, I, he said on Twitter, I'll come back to the Titans for 3.5 million. He wasn't that bad as a corner with Tennessee. He's still out there. Buffalo's in win now mode. It was one loss. I said nobody in this league is going to go undefeated. I said nobody in this league is going to go winless. I think the the, 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 the Raiders eventually win. Uh, Houston, they got a tie. I think they'll win a game, the few games here and there. Uh, this is a pretty competitive league this year, guys. So it, 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 I did not think that they were going to go undefeated. I said that from the beer band. They'll probably win. My guess is they'll probably win about 13 games because of their injuries. I would say 14, but about 13. So they're, so Buffalo, number one. Number two, Kansas City. Number three, Philly. Philly could pass for two. Uh, four, Miami. That could probably going to change. And five, Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville will go up there and beat Philadelphia Sunday. Um, and I tell you what, if Philly beats Jacksonville, Philly will definitely be number two if Kansas City lays another egg this week. I'll put it that way. And Pickle says Chicago's really bad. Uh, I got the same thing with Mahomes, KC, not trying for field goal winning is important. Yeah. Trade Derrick Henry to Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia, if, if you want Derrick Henry, Philadelphia. Uh, give us a first-round pick. He's he's that kind of good right now. You saw the way he run. Uh, trade uh, trade a Pro Bowl Kevin Byer to Tennessee. Get uh, get a get a twenty get a possibly a thirty-second pick and, and a twenty-something pick from Philadelphia plus your pick. Uh, Tennessee can have three first-round picks. They can start the rebuild now. But that's just me. I know Tennessee won. So those are my top. Uh, there's all my top stories there. Uh, finishing up the NFL. Trying to think of which. Okay. I'm going to get into this Brett Favre story. I did a little bit of it the other day. I talked about the fact that the media uh, has a sense of uh, empathy for Favre. Going back to his, his wife with the cancer, uh, reports about him. Uh, possibly having like CTE-like symptoms. He couldn't find his way home. Uh, we know about the public knows about his dad uh, dying, whether he should play the game. We talked about that last week, but I didn't talk specifically about this charge in my specific opinion on my show about Favre, okay? So Favre, I read this is from Variety. This was today, so. It says, Variety Magazine says, Hall of Fame Brett Favre, alleged role in Mississippi welfare fraud scandal, is only spiraling further into his legacy, upending territory. New court filings from the legendary Packers player press former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryan over text messages for additional funds for constructing an athletic facility at his alma mater. Uh, even after Favre was informed that you, that using welfare funds for such project could result in a violation of federal law, according to the AP, uh, his his judge his uh, lawyer there uh, says he simply has not he did not know those were um, welfare funds. Okay, his and and that states that in this article. It says the millions that Favre secured for the University of Southern Miss volleyball facility, that was a story last week, right, is being investigated as a part of a probe into the Mississippi Department of Human Services and its misuse of millions in federal funding meant for needy families. Mississippi Today reported Favre has not been criminally charged, but defended uh, in a sprawling whatever. I'll tell you this. And like I said, his lawyer, this Bud Holmes, said that Favre never knew the money came from welfare funds, and Favre has been honorable from day one, and he has done so much for charity work that it is all it, it that all it was here. Holmes said, "Insider." So we'll see. He has not been charged criminally, but is a defendant in a civil suit filed by the Mississippi earlier this year to recoup more than $20 million that was squandered, according to Insider. Okay. Jason Whitlock made a good point about this. He says that we, we, it, we don't talk about enough of 
the entitlement of these athletes. And there used to be, you know, I used to watch these pregame shows all the time, just like you do. And I thought, man, that is motivational. Man, this guy came from the hood. I came from the hood. I was born in those projects, uh, that neighborhood and those projects out and lived in those projects outside the Titan Stadium. And I, I can understand that up uh, that hard upbringing and being focused through school and trying not to, you know, get too caught up and in, in, in getting in trouble and, and, and uh, getting in too many beefs with other other students where I couldn't concentrate and all that. Right. Then you start to get a feel once you get older and, and get around these athletes in the high school area with the high school with we're, we're Danny Warfel and my parents were separated. So I moved back and forth. My dad and mom and I've lived in different states and everything. Danny Warfel went to, uh, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. I went to his high school for one year and they treated this guy like a god. And 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 all these these guys that come from these poverty families that are athletes, LeBron's, even the Brett Favre or poor families or whatnot. The truth of the matter is that teachers, society, coaches, uh, peers, they bend over backwards for these players. Uh, they're tr- even though they may come from humble beginnings, they are treated special and privileged uh, from the time they're 14, 15, all the way up to the college throughout the professional ranks. People talk about you feel bad for Vince Young. And, you know, he got a job that he didn't hardly have to do anything for like $100,000 a year uh, at, from Texas just because he's Vince Young. These guys, and you watch these documentaries. I watched a bunch of these hard knocks, these the all-in documentaries, uh, and growing up in these really high uh, areas where uh, football and sports are putting at it, and much throughout the South here, higher plane than they should be put on. And and even in 1995, I was uh, I was 14 in October of 95. Uh, when the OJ verdict came in, uh, and, and and they said, yeah, no show jobs in, in in Texas takes care. Yeah, it's like that everywhere. They it's like that. That's like it's like that everywhere, you know. And so so they, they the teachers were clapping for OJ, and I was actually bought into the hype. I was like, man, I'm glad OJ got out. Man, he got set up. You know, he's a good guy. He's on the He's on the not the Hertz commercials. I was a little bit young for that, but the Naked Gun movies. He's talking on TV. He's a likable guy. And, and the truth of the matter is, we never look at who these people really are because those are public personas. And Favre, like these guys, there's a sense of entitlement with him. And I hope that you know whatever. Uh, I hope that he pays back and then some. I hope he's treated like a part, normal person who did not play football for Southern Miss. Okay. Because I'm so sick and tired of that. Uh, if me or you did something like that, we got serious charges. They should be treated the same. You know, as much as I like Favre and everything, yeah, he he he's got he's made. I think somebody said he's made over 120 million dollars in his career. He's a big name. He can raise money through functions, events, the right way, speeches, and stuff like that. Uh, you know. Uh, Cards, card events, uh, football events. He's such a big name. He could raise money if he didn't want to just write out the check for these facilities. Far, you know. Yeah, there's still yeah. And Brian's like people still think OJ's in it because he's great. He's OJ. Yeah, that's the way we still look at. That's the way people. You hear people still talk about Far, man. And he's like a kid out there playing. He put Greg Jennings on his shoulder and ran across the field and all that. But, you know, like Whitlock said, there's a level of entitlement because we do that. Look what we did with LeBron. I mean, LeBron was the most hyped player ever out of high school, you know. And people bent over backwards to defend anything he does. And I did forever because he was doing a good job. You know, but he's not perfect. You know, he could have got a cop killed. He could have got that guy killed uh, for putting out his uh, uh, identity like that. You know, I'm just using him for example. He's not a guy involved in something like this, and he's done a lot of good. And this guy says, 
his lawyer says that Favre has done some good too, but that doesn't, you know, you can't put all that in there. If you do something like that and you know what he did and even said it in the text message, allegedly, if that's real, uh, are we going to get caught for this? You know, I mean, how greedy do you have to be? And for us, I've never made a hundred thousand a year. I couldn't imagine making uh, 20 million. I think us regular folks, we read this, and especially me. I, I'm just talking for me. I read so much about contracts and contracts, and 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 and, and people talk, come on my program and say Aaron Judge got is getting robbed. He he turned down thirty million dollars a year, even after New York taxes and agent fees. That's still more than most people make in their whole life. That's you know. So you have to look at that in that perspective, and that's that idol worship that people have. Uh, it, it is natural to do that. You know, uh, Kurt Cobain said in the song, well, nature is a whore. You know, I, that was a great line in Bloom, uh, Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. Not a huge Kurt, but that, that I like that line out of that song. So you have to look at it. And, you know, I hope whatever it is that the guy pays his price in full, whether it's criminally or civilly. And examples are made out of guys like this. You know, I can separate the fact that he's a good football player that the fact that he is a uh, he's done a criminal activity just like anybody else, you know. So I really hope that uh, that that plays out. So yeah, I'm I'm can you know something like that is low down. Somebody that grew up poor like that, give it to the folks that need it. Okay, all right, moving right along, staying in the South. How about that? Going to college football, going a little bit north. Uh, Deion Sanders doing a great job at Jackson State, having a winning record. Uh, he has uh, brought in five-star players from Florida State. Uh, Jim Jeffco last week said that he had a five-star cornerback or one of the top cornerbacks in the country go to Jackson State, to HBCU, staying in the same state, Mississippi. And now on Monday, uh, Georgia Tech has fired their – athletic director, and their head coach. So before they even uh, hire an athletic director, Brian, before they even hire an athletic uh, director, now there's already talk that Georgia Tech, which is in Atlanta, uh, they want two different sources through 24-7 sports and the athletic, both for saying that Dion is a top guy. Dion's a top guy. And, you know, guys, I did my show the other day from a, uh, a very choppy. I apologize. I could wring Austin's neck, but I went to church with this guy. See, I'm cutting him some slack because I went to church with most people. I would wring their neck. Kind of BS me a little bit on that uh, tailgate, which I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But anyways, uh, during that conversation, we talked about Deion Sanders. Would he take a let me a Florida job or something like that or Florida State? Uh, Mike Norvell seems to have Florida State kind of stable right now. I don't think Florida State's lost yet. Um, they did beat LSU to start the season. But so our thing was, would Dion leave for a better job? Now, he's only been at Jackson for two years. It's an HBCU. He's got, I think his daughter and his son is enrolled at Jackson State there. And he's talking about he wants to do something for the HBCUs. And he's letting his kids go there, and he's coaching there. And my thing is that he should. Um, my thing is that I, maybe he it would be really noble. Now remember, this is another guy's probably made over a hundred million dollars because his brand was so big. Remember, he had the Dion shoes, he had the commercials. Uh, he did TV work before he got into coaching. He actually went back late in his career just to prove he could do it and played in the NFL in the early 2000s for the Baltimore Ravens. And I thought it would really be noble if he actually backed up what he says. Now, Deion's 55. He's been there two years. Say, what if he stays there 10 years? That would be just super noble for Deion. That would be a heck of a... Uh, um, a role model for other former players to actually say what they really do and go one of these small schools and put their name on the map. 
I love those little Jackson State emblems. Uh, by the way, uh, look at uh, look at what he's already done. Uh, Eddie George now, former Tennessee Titan. He's coaching right up here at HBC, uh, you uh, here at TSU. And I want to say that uh, Jeff Fisher's like a like an advisor role. Former Tennessee Titans coach is uh, got a advisor role with with, with uh, Eddie George there up at TSU. So, you know, Dion's doing really well. He's recruiting well. Uh, he brought in this Brittany Reiner, not Griner, uh, this uh, Instagram star, and talk, talked to him about the pitfalls and stuff of of being a social media star and all that. But it looks like he's sincere. He told Steve Harvey, um, he, or he didn't say that. Somebody was talking about this on Steve Harvey's show that he didn't like those kids, those students, those players going to class in flip flops and baggy shorts. He said, "No, have some tennis shoes on and get and get." Uh, yeah, uh, honestly, I like to see him with the Cowboys, right? Yeah, yeah, and and Dion, I think it would be noble for him to do that. If he just done it for 10 years. Now, you say, well, he's 55. He's not getting any younger. Guys, Nick Saban's 70. He signed he's 78, okay? He's signing it stitch until he's 78 years old. Uh, by the time Dion gets 65, 70, it's going to be the new 55, okay? Uh, Dion is in tip-top shape. Nick Saban's in good shape. You know, I could see him taking that big Florida State, Florida job, big college job. And by at 65 and be a young, young 65, uh, or at least stay through, uh, see his kids finish in the next three years or so, that would be five years. But if he did it till, till six to 10 years, for 10 years, I, that's what I'm saying. Well, I think he should do. I don't think he will do, but I think, he, I think it would be pretty cool to see him do that because money's not an option for a guy like Dion. He's such a big brand, even now. Money's not an option for this guy. Uh, great personality, great brand, well-known. Uh, you could see two classes. You could make a long-lasting impression on people in that community for 10 years. I mean, about 10 years, that is two full classes. That's three if you're just going with the NFL talent because, you know, the NFL guys can stay for, for three um for three years per player. So that's, that's, uh, that's three cycles of, of classes there. If you're getting three year NFL guys and uh, Hugh Jackson's at Grambling, uh, Doug. Yeah. Doug Williams. Uh, yeah. Doug Williams won that uh, Doug Williams, uh, 87 Super Bowl winner uh, with, with Washington, Hugh Jackson, Really good offensive-minded head coach. So I like what they're doing for the HBCUs. And I hope that uh, Dion stays with it. If he don't, I'm not mad at him. It'd be interesting to see what he could do at Georgia Tech. I think he can get better at Georgia Tech. I think that he could get a a, a, floor, a Florida job. Uh, I think he can get a, a – um, he might get an Oklahoma offer. Oklahoma lost this week. You know, I don't know if Brett Venables is going to hold up in Oklahoma. So, okay, college football notes. So, uh, I would like to see him stay. That, that's my that's my opinion. I'd like to see Deion stay. But if he don't, I'm okay with that too. Uh, but it, it would really be uh, it would be cool to see a coach actually deliver his promise and, and stay long at a school. Okay, let's see. So... Uh, covered the Tennessee game, uh, tailgate there. Tennessee finally beats Florida, snapping a five-game losing streak. Uh, Tennessee, by the way, has got the number one offense in the country. Josh Heupel, another guy from a small school, from UCF, who I just got on this program and ripped to high heavens last year because this guy was um, had four losses at UCF last his last year there. When Scott Frost left, uh, his team started going farther and farther downhill, and that may be the case here at Tennessee. But I got to give credit where it's due. Josh Heupel brought in Hendon Hooker, who is now a, uh, a Heisman candidate, a legit Heisman candidate. Tennessee has the number one uh, offense in the entire country. I never in a million years thought I would say that, okay? 
they beat Florida, snapping a five-game losing streak. They've lost 16 of 17. So that's a big psychological advantage for Tennessee guys, okay? But, you know, they've got a top-10 class coming in next year, including the uh, a top uh, – the quarterback is third in the country. He's fourth overall prospect. This is a big, big-time guy. Uh, he's supposed to have a multimillion-dollar NIL deal. He's replacing Hendon Hooker. And Tennessee's got a week off. Normally, when they play Florida, they're flat the next week. When you play a big game, that's probably why Miami lost. Mario Cristobal got this kids up. They, they went up there. They played their guts out against AM. They come up short, they go home, and credit to a guy like uh, Carlos Chavez, Mad New Yorker, he called that on my tailgate show, what I had of it, that, that MTSU would beat MTSU would, would, would beat my, uh, Miami, and they went down there and won by two touchdowns. But Tennessee, going back to Tennessee, so they got this week off to get the Florida game out of their system, to totally digest that through their system, Okay. And then they got to play at LSU, which they play. LSU plays Auburn this week, okay? They'll probably beat Auburn, but Auburn will be up for them. That, that is a uh, Western Conference SEC West Divisional game. And then Tennessee got to play at LSU, and, and the time on the, on the schedule says it's 11 a.m. It's not a 7 p.m. start time. So that is big advantage, Tennessee. And then Alabama has to play. Uh, this coming up weekend, I want to say, or that weekend that Tennessee plays LSU, Alabama had to play A&M at home. And then Alabama will play Tennessee. There, there's a possibility that Alabama and Tennessee could both be um, uh, undefeated and that game be up in Knoxville. And I may go cover that even after being annoyed like nobody's business by the Austin issue uh, with his BS, I could go up there and interview people. Probably won't, but we'll break it down here on Sportscope through the studio. But Tennessee could be playing Alabama, both being undefeated. Now, now mind you, Alabama has not covered the point spread uh, in road games all but one in the last two years, Okay. And Rogan, not home games, in road games. Remember, they were two points off from, from beating, and they were beat in most of that game. Remember, they knocked out the quarterback for Texas, but they, uh, yeah, Badgers got smoked. Yeah, yeah. Now, Ohio State's number two, Brian, in offense. Now, again, my preseason was Stroud is going to win the Heisman. I, and Stroud still may win it, you know. So if Tennessee beats Alabama, Alabama beats for whatever reason. Georgia, I don't think Tennessee can touch Georgia. I think Georgia's, they feel like they're head and shoulders above everybody. I know they had a little bit of a, a down game last week against a non-Power 5 opponent, but I still think Georgia is 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 a really good team. And they're, they're the best team in the country. And I told you guys that that AM would would AM will bounce back. AM has got so much NAL stuff going that these kids got complacent at AM. They got complacent. They're, 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 making, they're making money. They're being told how great they are by the girls on campus. And they're not showing up to do what they're supposed to do. So these players are being benched, they're being suspended. And Jimbo Fisher being the competitor he is, he's laying the law down. And now they he benched his quarterback. Haynes King and this Max Johnson's two and zero. They beat Arkansas last uh, week. Remember, they lost to Arkansas last year. Same quarterback for Arkansas, same head coach AJ Jefferson. They beat Jefferson last week, and the week before that, they beat Miami. They've had two big wins two weeks in a row. Now they're getting back in the ranking system. Okay, so A and M's going to be fine. You know, and, and again, they remember they they beat Alabama last year. Uh, that slip up against Appalachian State, that was those players, uh, uh, you know, feeling themselves, and they're not dedicated to their craft enough. And he sensed that, and he nipped it in the bud. And it's continuing to be a problem. 
But this guy is a super competitor. I can't wait to see that game between A&M and Alabama. Remember last year, or this year, excuse me, Mick Saban made a comment that uh, they're buying players, and he said A&M, and he, he, he really took a shot there. Jimbo Fisher goes off about it, and he says, I'm never speaking to him again. Then they finally squashed it. It's okay. Two West Virginia guys going at it, two type A personalities. Now they're going to have to play, not this coming up week, but next week they're going to play in Tuscaloosa, and Alabama's got revenge on their mind. But AM will be ready to play, even though they did lose their top receiver uh, in that game in Arkansas. Remember, these guys got eight five-star freshmen that came in this last year because of NIL stuff. They're, they're probably going to get some playing time. You don't know who AM has got on their bench, is what I'm trying to say. And speaking of Texas, um, Steve Sarkeesian lost to Texas Tech this past week. And my thing is, He's another guy. He's brought in a lot of big names. Their team is just not consistent. Now, their quarterback, uh, what's his name, Hours or whatever, he got knocked out of the game in that Alabama game. Now, he's supposed to be back, but that is probably the reason why they lost that Texas Tech game. I don't think he's going to get fired, not unless they collapse towards the end of the season. I don't think they will collapse, but they could. Now, remember, they've got Arch Manning coming in. They've got Arch Manning, the nephew of Eli and Peyton, uh, coming in this year, and they're their number five class. And I want to say they got a number, another number five or better class coming in next year with the number one overall player. Uh, but mind you, be careful of just he can recruit. I think Sark can coach, but can he uh, coach consistently with this kind of pressure? Remember, he had his problems with substance abuse. And he ended up uh, getting fired from USC. And I think he uh, had some issues with that. And he supposedly got past all that. And he, he worked under Nick Saban. Nick Saban got him squared away. So Steve Sarkeesian, uh, we, that remains to be seen. I wouldn't want to fire him this week, per se. Uh, I wouldn't want to fire him this year. Uh, judging by what they got coming in. But judging by how they played against Alabama. I think with this NIL money, you really have to get really in these players' rear end day in and day out to keep them on their P's and Q's, guys, you know? And I, and I think he will. I think I, I know Jimbo will. Well, Jimbo has, for that matter, you know? But, uh, hey, that's another hour. I didn't have two guests on two days in a row, and I went through – a full-hour, no, commercial-free, non-stop sports talk. Now, tomorrow at around 7.30 uh, Central Time, I'll have Keith Angle on the first 30 minutes. I don't know what I'll talk about. It depends on what comes about. But uh, we'll do that. Thursday, hope to have Jack Hirsch back. Next Wednesday, guys, I've put out an email. I haven't got a confirmation, but I put out an email to bring in former uh, special teams coach for the Jets, uh, for Mike Wessoff, his assistant, Denise, I'm reading his book called Figure It Out. Uh, this guy was a big-time special teams coach. He was on Hard Knocks. Uh, Mike Wessoff was on Hard Knocks uh, back when they had the Jets on. Uh, and he's talking about, you know, trying to help the guys through life and helping them make the team. He's got a really great book, funny good book, very principled guy, kind of like myself. Uh, I'll be honest with you, he's, he's a don't take an ounce of crap off anybody kind of guy. A little bit intimidating, but he seems like a good guy. He seems like a good guy. So um, uh, so Mike Wessoff, uh, he told me on Facebook, he said, get a hold of my assistant. And, uh, and then he got back to me. He said, did you get a hold of my assistant? I said, well, sorry, I haven't finished the book. So that was on Friday of last week, and or yeah, Friday of last week. So this week, which is Tuesday, right? So I sent his assistant, this Denise, an email to bring Mike on the program. So I've got 150 pages in. I'm going to miss some college football Saturday because I'm going to hurry up and finish Mike's book. Uh, it's really good. He has a run-in with Jimmy Johnson when Johnson was in um, coaching in the college game there. 
And, you know, hey, this guy's got a lot of really good stories. I mean, he, he, he is an interesting character. And uh, Jack Hirsch supposedly will be in on Thursday. But so, like I said, next week, we, and by the way, also, um, I got word back from Kavarius Tears. He will come back on the program at some point. He is a baseball player at Tennessee. They were the number one. They're on the fire, too. They're the number one team uh, in the uh, uh, country in baseball. He's supposedly going to make the team or going to be on the team. He's on the team now, but be starting this year. And I want to ask him about what he thinks about this football team and plus, what does he think about uh, how's his career going up to this point? Now, he got back to me last weekend. He's going to come on the program. He's going to come back on. Kavarius Tears uh, could be a major star in the major leagues someday. Okay? Woo! And uh, Pickle says, pull on Imus, read the end first. Hey, yeah, it's really good. And, and I'm going to finish Mike's book, and uh, I'll probably uh, – you know, give it to my dad or somebody. It's really funny. Very principled guy. So if you guys like the show, please share the show. And uh, I, I will be back on tomorrow at around 7 p.m. Central Time uh, here on Sportscope. And again, uh, make sure to tune in. We'll have Keith Engel on. I'll ask him some of those uh, tough uh, – I'll ask him about Brett Favre and Dion and all that stuff. Guy's really good at college football. Keith's a smart guy. So have a good night, everybody. I'll see you same place, same time tomorrow here on Sports Scope.